Welcome to the Indestructible Podcast, hosted by Danny Connell. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode. On this week's episode, I'm interviewing the hilarious Danny Rydell. I met Danny when my team got hired to film a live stand-up comedy show at a venue in North Hollywood called the Comedy Chateau. I saw a ton of great comedians there. My good friend Miss Kay ran the event for her Futurist female comedy show that I always love going out there and supporting. Love filming it, love bringing her and all the other comedians' stories and honestly their hilarious sets of life. And Danny just stood out for her punk rock vibe. She seemed like she had an interesting story. We started chatting after the show and I just thought, hey, she'd be a great guest for the show. And she definitely did not disappoint. On this week's episode, we talk about her journey becoming the comedian that she is today, her journey kind of like finding herself throughout the years, doing a couple other things until finally becoming now a working comedian, doing a ton of great shows here and there, and then her journey now being a writer as well, as she's recently completed her first novel, and now she's working on her second, so... Uh, The big thing that I want y'all to take away from this week's episode is the idea of not giving up. You know what I mean? Not giving up on your dreams that you feel so passionately about, you know? At the end of the day, what should pursue them and what should be your driving force should be the love of the art. You know what I mean? And tying into that, I would love to give you guys some updates on my feature film, The Fall, that I'm working on that I told you guys about last time. So, uh, it's been an interesting, interesting journey been dealing with a lot of amazing ups a lot of uh some downs obviously as any ordeal would be but i big i think the thing that i'm really taking away from kind of being a jack of all trades making my debut feature film is that you gotta believe 100 percent in yourself and in your team and with that being said i kind of want to tell all y'all go out and do something out there that you always wanted to do that you've maybe been a little bit on the fence about maybe a little bit nervous hey try it what's the worst that can happen and at the end of the day at least we can say hey fuck it i went for it right and with that being said guys hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and now on to the show Hello, my heroes, and welcome to this week's episode of the Indestructible Podcast, the podcast for the people, the podcast that can never die. I am your host, the Indestructible Danny Cano, and today I'm sitting here with the hilarious Danny Rydell. How you doing, Danny? I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? Hey, Danny meets Danny. I like it. There's good vibes. There's good vibes. So I actually recently had the pleasure of actually seeing Danny perform live when I was actually hired to film a comedy show that she was performing at. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was that Danny had full command of that stage. Oftentimes, what I can sometimes see when I film a lot of like stand-up shows is it kind of takes a performer a little bit of a, a second to get comfortable in front of a certain crowd. Do you find that you kind of like have to mentally prepare for that or you just kind of already feel prepared going on to the stage? Obviously, you try to just always feel prepared. Um, But if it's a room I've never been in before um, and that that was my first time in in L.A., it was actually my first time on the West Coast anywhere (laughs) ever, period. Um, But uh, it was a very comfortable room and I felt like I had a good uh, rapport with with the people I had talked to before it started in the audience. Uh, but sometimes you don't have that opportunity. And my technique is to just go in with something that, you know, usually just universally makes people laugh. And then once you have that little bit of lubrication up front, 
you can usually just go from there. Um, usually, you know, <laughs> right. Right. And, and when you say like universally funny, what is typically kind of like the, the first like thing that you kind of go to? Well, I usually open with, uh, well, I just came from an AA meeting, which is what I call putting fresh batteries in my vibrator. Yeah. And it sometimes takes people a good week or two to get all of the joke, but they get enough of it to laugh right away. And if nothing else, they'll laugh at the word vibrator uh, so, or, or, you know, or they'll relate to alcoholism. I feel like in any given crowd, there's going to be at least a handful of folks who can relate to either alcoholism or vibrators. That's a pretty fair balance, I would say, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Do, do you find that a lot of your comedy, like you, you try to relate like on a, on a human level? Because I, oftentimes I sometimes see that maybe like when a comedian kind of like does their material, they can sometimes base it around like kind of like maybe their life as a comedian or on the entertainment industry. And I sometimes see that that flies over sometimes an audience's head. Have you found from experience that it's, it tends to be a little bit more helpful to do it from like your personal experiences? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, there, there are certain jokes that comedians will tell each other will tell at open mics in rooms of other comedians you know knowing that only other comedians will get those jokes but uh, now I've totally lost track of what I was saying oh no I wouldn't tell I wouldn't tell this I wouldn't tell the same jokes at a comedy club in New York City that I would tell at a Star Trek convention <laughs> so. mm, definitely definitely and I, I know it's super broad but I always like to ask this towards my comedian guests on the show but how did you know you were funny? Like, when did you know? Was there a certain time? Was it talking with friends and family growing up? Ooh, uh, well, I, I, I will say that I had one moment in my childhood when I my my parents had guests over and they, you know, they let me off the kids table. You know, they let me in the room. They're like to to humor me for a few minutes. And I told a really dumb it was like some weird variant of a why did the chicken cross the road joke that I wrote when I was eight. And it made my parents drunk friends laugh. And to that point, that was like the greatest moment I'd ever had. You know, it's just making my parents drunk friends laugh. Um, and uh, I, I never um, I never really went forward with it. Uh, you know, life life is what it is. And, you know, we we find our paths when we do if we do and I was a writer or I or am a writer I still do write uh non-comedy sometimes <laughs> but uh, for a long time I was a writer of fiction and for a long time I did theater but just as a hobby so I guess through those things I knew that I had the ability to entertain people Finale. and and when when was like the first time that you you did an open mic when was the first time you took the stage as a comedian oh man so my <laughs> i this is sort of i'm not sure if this is cliche or weird it might be so it might be so not cliche that it's just fucking bizarre, but um, I actually started comedy to help myself get sober mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> for all the stories you hear about the comedy world, drawing people into alcohol and whatever else. But in my mm -hmm. case, alcohol. Um, and I needed uh, an outlet that would give me some kind of a dopamine rush to take its place. And I initially just I uh, took a comedy class at Helium Comedy Club with a comedian named Chip Chantry, who's fantastic. And um, 
you know, it was just going to be a hobby. It was just going to be a substitute for theater and alcohol. Uh, and, and when I started wrapping my head around how much writing was involved and how much this was a perfect combination of everything that makes me happy, uh, it, it, it turned from a, it turned from part of rehab to my, my career. Um, but uh, my first open mic was at a place called the Raven Lounge in, uh, in Center City, Philadelphia. And the Raven Lounge is, I don't know how to describe the Raven Lounge for anyone who's never been to the Raven Lounge. <laughs> but uh, I, um, I just, uh, you know, I went up, I had three minutes and there were six people in the room. And, um, and I, I, I met some people who were just nice right away and just all seemed to get each other. And, and that's something I, that just pulled me more into the comedy world. These people get it, whether we're getting each other's jokes or not, we get each other and we get each other's need to do this and be here with each other. Definitely. Yeah. And I think you touch upon something that it kind of being like the best of both worlds, because it is kind of like this weird mixing of all sort of sides of like live performance. It's theater, it's improv, it's being a rock star all in one. You know what I mean? It, were oh, these yeah. were these things that you had always just felt a passion for and you just always wanted to go full at them full force? Always, always. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I wrestled with everyone else, I'm sure like with the, with the, you know, the societal norms and the expectations that, uh, you know, you, you, you go to high school, you go to college, you get married, you have children, you go to graduate school, you get a desk job and, you know, like fuck almost all of that. Like <laughs> I did a couple of those things, but I, you know, I tried, no, I tried, I, I, I did go, I went to college and I, well, I applied to graduate school. I didn't get in, thank God. Um, and I tried, tried doing desk jobs, um, and was, was miserable. And, and, you know, I did, you know, I, so I did theater for a long time as a hobby and, and that was, you know, that, that was great. Uh, but, uh, my, my husband and I moved into center city, Philadelphia, which it's, it's, it's an awesome city. It's a, you know, at least when we moved here a couple of years ago and still cut to an extent as a bustling city, a lot of fun things to do. Uh, there was not any theater for, for me to do when we got here as a hobby, because the theater world here is very serious. And I'm sure there were, were I'm sure there are things I could have found. Um, but it wasn't like in the suburbs where I would go to a community theater and audition for a role and be in a play and you know go to rehearsal after work it wasn't it's there was uh you know it was it was a it was a big adjustment for me and uh I was really focusing on um promoting my novel at the time and and working on my second novel and I'm still working on my second novel uh, my first novel smile and walk away is available from champagne book group anywhere online that books are sold you can even probably pirate it but please don't that would fuck me uh and I, um, I, I just find that it is much easier to write comedy on a regular basis in, in a way that is satisfying. And then beyond that, you get to either go on Zoom or go out to the Raven Lounge or wherever and, and, and try out what you wrote. 
right away. And there's a, just a unique satisfaction from that, that one doesn't get from acting where it's not entirely your creation. Um, that not to say I didn't get great joy out of acting, but, and, and, and unlike, you know, writing a novel where, you know, you get the joy of writing the novel, but then there's this insane waiting period of editing and tedium and business crap before you get to share it with the world. And comedy solves all of these things that were missing from those other art forms for me. Wow. That's, that's so awesome. Yeah. Cause it, it's like, it's all rested upon you as a performer. It, it's all up to you. It's like, you're going to, you're going to fall on your own sword or you're going to just blast off. You know what I mean? So it, there's yep. probably that innate sense of instant gratification that obviously with something like writing, it cannot be as viscerally as active as that. But I know you had talked about being an author with your first book, Smile and Walk Away. And I know that you've actually always been drawn to like erotic, subversive storytelling, anti-establishment storytelling. Um, was that something that always you were always drawn to? Because I know you kind of have like a cool punk rock style. When did you get into that? Oh, God. Well, it, I don't want to tell you how old I was when I first uh, got caught writing erotic fan fiction in school. 12. Uh, yeah. <laughs> had to come out, had to come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and uh, as I, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I entered a short story contest and uh, wrote a kind of uh, disturbingly prescient piece about what would happen if, uh, uh, you know, an overly right wing tyrant got elected president. Uh, this was in 1994 that I wrote this. And my teacher wouldn't enter it in the competition because she said it was too political. <laughs> well, and you know you... what? I'm fucking 40 years old and I'm like pissed off at that now that I'm thinking. <laughs> I know. I think it's time for the reboot. Right? Take <laughs> that out if I can. I'm, I apologize if you can hear my cats. They are. Uh, they they want to be on the pod. I get they it. They really do. They really do. I'm going to grab one. So What's the little one's name? This is Henry David Perot. Nice. What's up, Henry? What's up, buddy? Henry, say hello. Oh, now, oh, now you're getting camera shy, huh? That's <laughs> how it always is. But no, yeah, this one awesome. always needs to make an appearance every time there's a Zoom yes. comedy show. So. <laughs> and, and speaking on Zoom comedy shows, I know that that's obviously had probably had to have been tough, obviously coming from like a live performance background. H how's that been adapting to that? So, you know, there there were... Uh... There were some people who tried to keep some things going and so there was, you know, some outdoor things going on. And so I, I, I did a small amount of live stuff as carefully as, as I could. And um, I, I've, I found uh, that with Zoom shows, the first thing I found was, hey, it's cool to do my material for people who have never heard it before, uh, which is, was really beneficial from a writing perspective and meeting people, you know, from across the country, like you mm -hmm. has been like just an amazing byproduct of, of the need for zoom comedy. Mm -hmm. And like, believe me, like almost a million people are dead and I would, mm -hmm. I would give everything back for that to change. But, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I forced myself to, and, and genuinely did 
see the the good that was coming out of it and mm. the people who are in my life right now through zoom comedy mm. I, i'm so so grateful for and the the things i've learned from being mm. able to to do my material for people in different regions of the u.s in different mm. countries has been has been just priceless um so and on one hand there's all that and then on the other hand it's kind of like prison food you know <laughs> like zoom comedy you know it kept me alive mm. basically like prison food yeah it, it's just crazy how we've all had to adapt even me doing podcasts i i would more i would love to have done it in person but obviously over zoom there is like kind of this unique opportunity where we can connect with people across globally or even like us you over there on the east coast me on the west coast so in a weird way, I think it's kind of pushed everyone to kind of reframe how we kind of traditionally go at things. Did, did you find any like challenges when you first got into doing Zoom shows? Um, it, it was sort of a, just a progression. I just went from, from zero to, to, Hey, here I am. I, uh, uh, I, I started out my, my first zoom open mic I did sitting on my bed on Google hang on my phone. <laughs> and, and I, I slowly as it, as it got more and to be more and more of a thing. And, and as I got opportunities to, to perform for bigger audiences with, with, you know, with more different professional comedians, I you know, went from sitting on my bed to sitting on my couch to sitting on my couch with a green screen draped over it, draped over it. And then before long, I had, uh, I, I got a microphone, a mic stand, nailed the green screen to the wall. And <laughs> yeah, now you got the whole setup there. You got the backdrop, you got your little mic, everything. Oh yeah. I totally, I have like a little MacGyver setup to get yeah. the, to basically pull the computer into let me using a stage microphone. Like it's uh <laughs> I, I I didn't want to lose the muscle memory. Um, exactly. Work with the microphone, you work with the mic stand, walk back and forth a little bit. Like I'm mm. not on a stage, there's not people all around me, but I can at least go through mm. the movements so that when I do perform, it doesn't seem it's not a different type of performing anymore. So it does piss me off when people say Zoom comedy isn't really stand-up comedy. It's like, well, that depends how you do it. Mm. If if you sit if you sit on your couch and look straight into your computer screen and tell jokes, uh, you're performing comedy. I, I call it what you want, but like from home, I, I try to do the exact as close to the exact same mm -hmm. type of performance that I do on a physical stage. Mm. That, I think that's the, what you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think you're right. We have to kind of think of it as just an extension of our performance. We can't think of it as like, oh, it's Zoom. So it's like, bleh. you know, it's like we, we got to just like you said, do basically what you do on stage. But now just in this new kind of insane format, but just keep that muscle memory alive. Keep the yeah. keep the chops up, you know, all that. Exactly. Totally. And do you have any advice for people that maybe want to try Zoom performances? What advice would you give if somebody was like, I, okay, I want to try it. I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, if someone has never done comedy before, then I think it would be fantastic because mm. you're going to be in a small, in a smaller group and you're going to mm. have people 
um, you know, watching you instead of, you know, you might, if you go to an open mic in a bar, you might have a bunch of people eating and drinking and not even paying you any mind, which is an important experience to have. That is an important learning experience, children. (laughs) We should all have to, uh, we should all have to do open mics at bars with people who aren't paying a single fucking bit of attention to us. Um, but on zoom, like if you just want to see if a joke you wrote is funny, do, do it. Um, it, you know, for someone who's a seasoned comedian, I feel like people who were, who were really seasoned comedians, it was, was obviously more disappointing to, to do this and, Hmm. and maybe, maybe more of a frustrating transition. I, I just started doing comedy about maybe eight months before the pandemic hits, Mm. if that, uh, something like that. Mm. So it's kind of been like a, it's been both a learning process as well as kind of like a new challenge on what you're kind of doing. I get that. And then Danny, I know that we had touched upon your, your first novel, but tell me more about it. Tell me the story. Tell me what inspired it. Smile and walk away. Sure. Sure. So it is, it's uh, kind of, uh, like a spy thriller and <laughs> yeah. It, it is a, it is an, it is the novel length version of something I would have written in seventh grade. Um, but you know, much better written. So, you know, wasn't trying to change the world with it or anything really just wanted to entertain people. And my, when I was a little kid, my favorite TV show was get smart. I love spy stuff, whether yeah. it's serious or funny or, or, or what, but Uh, I love, I love spy stuff and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's a similar story structure to, I don't know if you've ever read the girl on the train where you have multiple protagonists with intersecting Mm. timelines. And and I never read that book until after I wrote my book. And Mm. it was one of those things where it's like, oh, damn it. I thought that, but no, I I've read enough books to know it wasn't an original layout, exact layout, but I, uh, um, I uh, have I have sort of a semi cliche detective character, and and then I have a uh, sort of your 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 badass female protagonist who wants to fuck everybody, and uh, everyone. If you want to just skip to chapter twenty for my favorite piece of porn in the novel, there you go. <laughs> That's so awesome. But no, Danny, dude, you should be proud. You wrote a freaking novel. That's nothing Thank to you. scoff at, regardless of don't don't talk down to your characters. I'm sure they're badass. I, I got to read it. I got to check it out. But tell us, t- how can we check it out? How can we find it? So it's published by Champagne Book Group. Uh, so uh, champagnebooks.com uh, or you can also get it on uh, Barnes and Noble if you have a nook, <laughs> if anyone still has a nook. Um, but it's also uh, available in iBooks format. You can get it if you're in, I think, in Canada, you can get it on Kobo and, of course, on Amazon. And uh, you, you can pirate it, but uh, please don't. <laughs> yeah, Nook represent. No, but uh, and you're yeah, also- <laughs> yes, Barnes and Noble, you guys still there. Right. And then you're also telling me that you're working on a new novel. Tell me about it. Uh, been, been, been a long work in progress working on, on the sequel to, uh, to smile and walk away, uh, going to be part of, uh, an, an ongoing series, um, where I reuse the character, I not reuse, you know what I mean? But where I, where I continue, um, the journeys of the characters as I get new, more ideas. But as I flesh out some of these ideas, I, I 
think that with the conclusion of book two, I may want to turn it into some kind of a serialized, uh, like short story series that I may then self-release. I don't know yet. Um, mm. I definitely need to give that some more thought and, and do some more writing been focusing really heavily on comedy which is delayed book two so sorry everybody who's still waiting for book two it's all right i'm sure it'll be worth the wait, danny but no that that's so awesome and I, I just think it's it's so cool that that you're keeping up all your endeavors you're you didn't give up you, you kept going i think that's so awesome you're definitely indestructible danny and Thanks. i know that i know that you've been a bartender a police cadet a counselor an actress what is next for you danny what, what do you see in the future my my hope is uh that i'll continue to do what i'm doing right now which is bartending uh i i I work at a place that is like my cheers you know it's like my second home and uh you know i i love the people i work with i love all my customers and everything it you know i've got a norm and a cliff and (laughs) so i'm like the sam malone of center city philadelphia and i i so i love doing that and i really just want to do comedy um so if i if i can eventually one day do do comedy full time that would be amazing but you know regardless of whatever else i'm doing to pay the bills if i can just do comedy to get the pleasure of doing comedy most nights of the week that's what i'm going for yeah, yeah. that's awesome living the dream danny i love it and where can you, and where can people find you online uh so danny rydell on facebook and uh uh twitter it's at inactive lush Uh, which I've been for almost two years, um, coming up on two years of not drinking and, uh, uh, Danny Rydell comedy on Instagram have, uh, have some shows coming up that I will definitely be posting all the information to for anyone in the New York city or New Jersey area. Awesome. Exciting things coming up. Awesome, Danny. Well, I know I speak for everybody on behalf of Indestructible that we can't wait to see you out there on the live show kicking ass. We can't wait to read the second chapter of the Smile and Walk Away saga. So definitely stay tuned, guys. Danny is on the come up. Awesome, Danny. We'll chat soon. All right, Danny, thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. Appreciate this.